you may remember some weeks ago, uh, seven to be exact, I spoke on uh, hide or seek. And last time we dealt with the uh, aspect of hiding from God. Uh, do we come before him? I spoke of how uh, do we come before God like uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden once they had fallen, once they have fallen they would eaten from the one tree. Do we hide ourselves away in fear and trembling? Or, like King David, do we seek God? Are we out there? Are we looking for him? Are we active? Um, because a little thing that came to me is when it, when it comes to hiding from God sometimes, it can be because of shame, it can be because of sin. But if not that, it can be pride because we are proud of where we're at with him. But I'm, I've done the hide bit already, so I will move on. So just to say that pride will make you hide. But to be meek will make you seek. Because meekness isn't the word that we look upon it as, well, we, we tend to think of it as being a weakness, but actually it's not that at all. To be meek is to be... Um, it's the Greek word is praus in coin Greek, common Greek, which um, speaks of a strength, strength under control. In, fa- in fact, strength under the control of God, where we have come to him fully, we seek him, we know him, we come before him open-hearted. He knows everything anyway, so we just hand it over to him. Um, we see in scripture when it comes to Matthew 6 exactly where in Matthew 6 so I can't tell you (laughs) because I haven't written down I've forgotten that but in Matthew 6 Jesus said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you so when, when we think of that, it doesn't mean that we, we seek him in the way looking for our own ends. So we do not ask for cars, wealth, you know, th- material things. Because as it says also in, Ma- in Matthew, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So with that in mind, our treasure is Jesus Christ. And we are to seek him. And he will give, some versions say, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things you need will be given, added to you, given to you. So if it's superfluous to what we need, then we won't get it. Because, but if, if God knows that we need it, then, then we will. If it's important for our ministry, important for our lives, important for other people, then we will receive it. Um, so another part of that verse where it, it goes straight into and his righteousness, which is appropriate because when Mike read that psalm this morning, you, it uh, mentioned being righteous before the Lord, which is right standing with God, to be um, in his presence, right, correct before him. So to attain that sometimes, we have to put away the temptations 
and the uh, things that distract it, distractions. We have to put away temptations and distractions from our sight because otherwise we, we won't seek God. We, and that's when we end up enjoying, so like, let's say, TV, computers, uh, iPhones, whatever it might be, the sport, this, that, the other, we can get tied up in it. And then we, we end up not seeking God as we should we don't, we don't get that closeness. I, I, I like to look, so if we look at um, King David, now he started off, what was it? Samuel thought when he went looking for the, uh, Jesse's son, who, who, he, who was going to be king, he looked to all the ones as man, man sees, the, the strong and the stout and the broad but God did not look at that. He looked at David's heart. And if you think of this, what was David? We know he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. And he was in the wilderness many times. In fact, all the time in his younger life because he was out there with the sheep. He was guarding the flock from the wolf and the bear. But what did that give him a lot of time to do? It gave him a lot of time to seek God because there was no distraction there was no temptation. Okay, that came in later on in life. But at that time, he was there and he had nothing to do but seek God. He says in, uh, one of, in Psalm 119, verse 163, I believe, that I will praise the Lord seven times a day. Do we praise the Lord seven times a day? And I will pray to him three times a day. This is speaking of relationship. We know that David would dance before the Lord. He would play the lyre before the Lord. He would sing before the Lord. He just loved the Lord and he didn't care whoever was about or whatever might cause people to look upon him in a strange way because he was glorifying God. I will be even more outrageous, said David, as long as it was glorifying God. Um, I will return to a bit of scripture later, but I need to just tell a bit of a personal story again, as is my, when I speak I tend to do that. I won't go on too long, that's ten minutes gone already, wow. Um, But... Some time ago, in fact, it's probably 18 months ago, Jeanette announced on a Friday night that she was going out with our daughter Jenna and our, um, a couple of her sisters. They were going out shopping for the whole day on a Saturday. And I had a whole Saturday free to myself. And I thought, wow, here we go. This, this is going to be, what shall I do? And in my mind, I thought, yeah, I'll get up, I'll... I will pray, I'll read the Bible and then I'll, I'll settle down, I'll probably settle down to a day of films or, or um, yeah, watching sport as one does on a Saturday sometimes. But as I was praying, and this is where the relationship comes in that, that we all desire and I'm sure we've all had this sort of thing where we can hear God calling us, we feel God talking to us, we feel a nuance upon our... Um, what he wants us to do that day, if nuance is the right word. Um, 
And I, I suddenly got in, in my head a picture of where I used to live out in the country again. Like the, you remember the story of the rabbit hutch? I spoke about that, yeah? Well, back at that place where I went in the rabbit hutch and all that unfolded, I uh, had a picture that I needed to go back there. And it's a place that I don't like to return to really because you know what it's like sometimes when you go back. Go, going back can be painful. It can be painful. So, but God was putting it on my heart really strongly that I needed to go this day. And so I jumped in the car. I was with God and with my dog. And we drove off down to Longfield. And I parked up in a lay-by that was just up the road from the bungalow where I used to live that I told you about uh, last time. And... It, you, you know what it's like sometimes. I looked upon things. We, because we are twice as I'm twice the size, more or less height-wise, to what I used to be when I was there. Everything looks different. The beautiful field opposite where I lived has a big housing estate on it. But that, but but the little primary school that used to look huge to me looked tiny because we get a different, uh, yeah, yeah, perspective on it with our size. So um, I ended up sort of thinking, now what, what's going on here? This isn't making me feel particularly God, good, but I feel that God is calling me here today for this. So I got out of the car, left it, and I walked along to the bungalow where I used to live, and I looked down the drive, and even that had changed. The sunken garden with a rockery that my mum had spent hours doing and tending was gone. Um, there was concrete and an ice cream van, so he must be an ice cream van driver, I guess. <laughs> parked on the front on the, on the concrete driveway and I looked down the drive and there was quite a bit of disappointment because that place was a, a blessed place to me, it was a place when, when you're, you, the age of innocence should we call it, before life's trials and responsibilities have come along where you're just a kid and your imagination runs right and it's just lovely you've got your parents, you're warm, you're safe you're comforted and that, that was wonderful But and anyway I thought I didn't stay there too long, Brian, because the people in the house spotted me standing there with my hands up looking at the house like that. And uh, I felt propelled to leave. But as I've walked away, God was sort of turning it over in my head, sort of like, yes, this is the things of the past. And, but, and, and not only that, but the things that have changed physically, but just give thanks for the things that have changed spiritually. Because within me was a vast, barren landscape before I was a Christian, before I knew Jesus. And things were desperate. So forget the physical things, but you can see things have changed here, but hey, look at the work I've done in you. Look how you've changed. Uh, there's The point to this being, I walked around the back row, up the alley, uh, at the back of the farm fields where I used to play as a child, it was a beautiful day, wildflowers everywhere, and I've headed up to the gallops, which was a high spot behind where I used to live, so I can see down. This is the painful bit, because this is what it was about hearing, and it is because of knowing God and seeking him that I listened to him urging me to go and do this and to follow through. So I've gone up the gallops. Now, when, when we moved, we had moved three miles away to a place called New Barn, which was up the road and along. 
And I didn't want to go there, really. I've, never, I've always avoided it. I've had times when I've pulled up outside it in a car. I mean, my family won't even... My sister and dad won't go near the place because there's too much pain. But I, I returned there now and then because I just was a bit like that. I still am, in, but in a different sense. And I used to sit outside the place, look at it, and mournfully... I feel pre- pretty lousy and then just leave. But God was propelling me to go there. So... I've gone up the road, I've, I've gone up to the gallops and I'm walking it along towards Newbarn where I used to live. And when I've, when I've got there, I, it, for, for once I was not engaging with people because it was time for me and God and you could feel that. He was with me, it's me and him. And today I'm not talking to people. I was being polite, just raising a hand and nodding and just walking on and just, just, yeah, just being polite. And I decided to go into the back way to Newbarn. Where, 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 where we lived. And as I've gone round the back, I've seen places that remind me of events and this, and I've gone and seen... Uh, I walked down a road that led... To, and at the back of Newbarn, there's farmers' fields and woods and tracks, and I got a bit confused and lost as to where I was, which was surprising because I lived there for years. And the, the, the story of the house in Newbarn was... When we left um, Longfield, it was my mother's dream house and she wanted to move there. We even had a painful discussion with Dad, uh, young as we were, about were we going to actually bother moving there because Mum uh, was not well and had cancer. And it was a dark place, but we decided to move there because it was the fulfilment of her dreams. Now... Either, we were, I think I told you in the past, but at Christmas we were told we had to march and she would no longer be with us. And within that space, obviously we moved there because it's what mum wanted, but it was, you can imagine, it was an upsetting place of deep pain and hurt and regret. And I don't really want to go there and it's dark and it's nasty. But this day I felt God was pushing me there. And I've gone down this road, Longfield Avenue, and I'm going round the back and then I see this chap trimming his hedge and I've, I've looked at him and, it, and, and I felt like I would talk to this one so I've thought, excuse me do you know the way round to Fairlight Cross because it's where I used to live and he said to me uh, like he looked at me, well I'm Fairlight Cross yeah I, I know that and he went oh, well, what number? and I said number 32 and he went I lived at number 32 now, like, he's this couple of miles away and I fell right upon the person who had lived in the house. And he's, he's gone to me. Yeah, we, we bought it and we bought it off this... It was very sad because there was the man... The man in the house was moving and he had his children. The wife had passed away. This, that and the other. And it was like, wow. God has... You know, of all the people, there's no one else. I haven't talked to anyone. I speak to one person who lived in the actual house. And then he's... He's, he said to me, he went, yeah, when we moved in, we, we stripped the wallpaper off and there, there were the names on the wallpaper when we had decorated a room and we'd written our names on it and it was under the wallpaper. And he talked about it was a very dark house and that he had put in bigger windows to make it bright and the light was shining in there and it was lovely and it was comforting and he talked about the neighbours and all things that I could relate to. And then he said that within that place... 
he raised his family and it was a lovely family home and that they'd felt joy and pleasure there. And what that did for me, he called his wife out and it said to her about what the circumstances were and she was overwhelmed by it. So I've, I, anyway, I've talked to them, that's amazing, I prayed with them, I witnessed to them, I walked on and I've walked around and then there's thunderclouds and there's lightning coming down and I was driven into a part where I used to play as a kid, I will speed up, uh, and I've gone and hidden under this shelter and in the shelter is this lad who's probably 18, 19 and, he, and I sort of said, alright, don't worry, I'm just going to sit shelter from the rain and when I've gone there I've sat down and he's I've gone after a while because I'm there and it's raining I've gone I'm a Christian and he went well, so am I and I went oh okay he said but I've only just become a Christian this week and I've asked God to, to talk to me in some way because my mum's an atheist my dad's an atheist my mum's someone who's backslid she had been a Catholic and no longer in the faith and I, he had how did it go? I said to him, look, I'm, I, I, is he, don't you think this is strange? God, has, this is meant to happen. I've been sent to meet you and you're here to meet. And he went, no, it's not strange. It's because God's arranged it, hasn't he? He just took it as natural. Like, yeah, well, no, it's not strange. God has done this. Anyway, prayed with him. His, his name was Joshua, which was good as well. And then it was one of those same things where he just sort of... Uh, disappeared from view because I wasn't looking. I, didn't, I just didn't want to see him disappear. And I, then I walked five minutes down the road and turned up at the house where I used to live and, and it was just totally different. I looked at it and I just felt a warmth about it and, and it was all okay. Everything was okay. So it was like an amazing thing that I bumped into exactly the right person. Then bumped into this lad and that was meant to be. And then I walked from there all the way back to the, the car where I, where I was, uh, yeah, where I parked a couple of miles away. Now, um, we know that we can see the best way to seek the Lord, that to, you know, to promote intimacy with Him so that we know Him better. The most immediate and to hand way is the Bible, God's living word. And we know that He speaks to us through that. It is alive and it is active, it is sharper than a double-edged sword and it leads us into his presence, it speaks anew every day. We know, like, like as has been modelled by many in this church, like David, Maynard, Mike, others, Chris, but, and probably loads more of you, you do your quiet time in the morning, I, I do myself as well but it's slightly different for me, it happens as and when, I can fit it in but I do do it. But intimacy is key. Seeking him is key. God says, um, yeah, my people will seek me and find me when they seek me with all of their heart. That's everything. You, you know, you just, it's all focused on God and out of that comes, well, comes our daily bread and our living, doesn't it? Because that's where we're at. We, and we know that from looking up, the, that one up to the cross and then outwards then from that we are able to help others and serve others it's through from being in a place of intimacy we know that what Pastor David gets up at 5am every morning goes to bed at 9 and he 
spends time with God every morning. And, he, and we've seen the validation and the fruit of that when he's had words and knowledge and it's been confirmed all over the congregation. And that, that's the same for others as well. Personally with me, I do quite time, but and this could be for some of you as well, but a lot of it is, for me, is, is in action when I'm out there and I, I see people. I, I, God talks to me when I'm out on the street evangelising, when I'm taking the cross out. That's when I feel the closeness of the Holy Spirit and, and I, I feel his urgency and his guidance. For, for others, we, we know that we are secure because Scripture says... What is it? Yeah. Don't freeze up. Yeah, this is the trouble without bullet points. Trying to be clever, aren't I? <laughs> okay, so God says that... Um, Paul says in Corinthians that praise be to the God that the praise be to God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us through all our troubles with the comfort so that we may comfort all those in trouble in the same way he has comforted us. That speaks of us having intimacy, seeking him, knowing him, him comforting us in times of trouble as he did on this journey when I went out. He comforted me, brought me to a place, it brought restoration and it, it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It, it, it restored stuff in me. A lot of pain was healed that day. And we also know that from this security, well, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For all who ask, receive. And to all who seek, will find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. So it is through the seeking that, that all this comes to us. But that seeking is made complete through our right standing with God as well. It's not a free ticket. It's not a free pass. We do, yes, there is grace. Yes, thank God for Jesus that he uh, performed the biggest act of grace ever by dying upon that cross for each and every one of us that we may live. But we still have to live up to the things that he requires of us. We still have to... Be, God says, as was said earlier, be holy for I am holy. So set aside, try and, try and be as he is. Uh, we know that we are safe and secure, though, because in Romans 8, where it says... Yeah, it does... In Romans 8 it says, and I, yeah, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future, neither
height nor depth, neither angels nor demons or anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And we, we know that through that intimacy with him and we know that we are protected and we are sealed. And, we, and the other outreach in, in, in Ephesians of how we should be is it, just a wonderful thing that we are given through our Lord Jesus Christ, that he blesses us, that he holds us together, that he binds the wounds of the brokenhearted, he brings us in, and he keeps us safe, he keeps us sound. And he is a wonderful God. And if we seek him and seek him with all our hearts, he will be faithful to us. So I'm, not, I'm looking at the time because the trouble is, is when I, I was running through this, it went on for a long time but I will bring it to yeah I know it always does I will bring it to a close I will bring it to a close now and all I can say is when we look at um, was it in Nehemiah so let's jump to close Nehemiah 6 verse 8 and 9 we are told I sent him this reply. This is after, if you remember, Nehemiah has returned from the exile to restore the walls and the gates of Jerusalem to build them up and restore them after Nebuchadnezzar years before had destroyed it all. And the remnant in Israel had returned to Babylon and now it's King Artaxerxes who's on the throne. And Nehemiah was his cupbearer. And he's uh, heard about the state of Israel. He's heard about the walls are down, that they are being attacked, everything, nothing, nothing as, it, as it should be. And so he sought the Lord, he mourned and he prayed and he fasted. And eventually Artaxerxes, the king, said to him, what's the matter with you? Because he could see that his demeanour wasn't as it usually was. And he was granted permission to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to re put the gates in and just make it strong again. And so this is, um, yeah, eight and nine. I sent this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. This is Nehemiah talking to the tribes that were surrounding Jerusalem, Shambalat, Sambalat and others who were trying to distract him and put him off rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and restoring the gates. Now, yeah, there is a king in Judah. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, Nehemiah says, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But Nehemiah prayed, now strengthen my hands, strengthen my hands. And not only did he do that, but he Jerusalem and listed in the holy city the walls that needed rebuilding. He, he listed the gates that needed putting back up. So I want you to Think about this in your, in your faith life, in your spiritual life, where you're at. 
to go, go around your spiritual life, if you like, and make a note of where the walls are weak, where the, the gates are no longer in and there's access. Because just as Nehemiah was harassed by all the tribes surrounding Jerusalem, that is how your enemy, the devil, will come at you. Now, he is not creative, he, but what he is is sly and he is cunning. And you can tell his attack because he will always attack you down the same avenues where he knows that you've failed and faltered before. He knows your pains, he knows your hurts, he knows your history, and he will use that same attack so you should be able to stop him. So what they did when they were defending Jerusalem, as you know, they built with a weapon in one hand and they used their other hands to build. And half of them guarded the gaps while the building was going on. And that is how we need to be, covering each other and looking after one another with those gaps in our lives. So if you survey your own spiritual life, where you're at, where there's gaps in the walls, then those can be restored and built and filled up. So um, when God saw Nebuchadnezzar doing this, as we know, he pressed on. They tried to distract him five times from completing the works and five times he was wise enough to spot the attack and tell them to go away. So when, you, when the enemy comes in, as we know, when, when the devil comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit raises a banner against him. And so you need to look at, I, I believe within that we, we see what was happening here with Jerusalem. So if you refer that back to your own lives, look at where the holes are in your walls, in your defences, and know that if you seek God and you stay close to him, he will bless you, he will be with you through every circumstance and every event in your life. However it may turn, he will work through that to bring it to your good and turn it, because as we know, he will turn all things to good for those who love God and are called according to the purposes.